0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Open OpenThink. Uh, this is our freestyle session where we just do a recap of what is happening over the last couple of weeks and current events from, you know, hip hop, technology, whatever it is, we're just talking about it and we just giving our opinions on those subjects. I'm here with my co-host, Anthony. It's good to see you again, man.
1: I know. Still living large inside of four walls, okay? Inside of four walls, ain't even. <laughs> How you doing,
0: I'm doing good, man. I'm in New Orleans right now, and just I'm just enjoying the food
1: uh,
0: and just spending time with my girl. So it's
1: good. are they open? You know what I mean by open? Are they open?
0: Man, this is good ones, y'all. <laughs> Was it ever closed? That should be the question.
1: They're like they they dying fast enough. It's, it's good. It's good. They still drink it. You still find that card. It's good. <laughs>
0: Um, but it's been—I I just mainly been inside. I got a lot of work to do, so you know. But, but um, I really enjoy the food here.
1: It's—it's it's nice to get away, though. I ain't gonna lie. I think we've all been cooped up a long time. Some of us, especially the ones that have been following the guidelines the best we can, it's been like nine to ten months. And I think we—we <laughs> we saw the outcome of that during Thanksgiving, which no one gave any craps about social distancing, not traveling, not going to see people, and they are gone, right? And I think, you know, that's that says a lot about America, but, you know, we are a highly individualistic society. Uh, We don't, there's no community commitment to each other, especially after nine months of being locked in the house. So I, I get it. I'm glad you're out there staying inside but enjoying some really good food. I'm gonna have to make my way down there at some point.
0: Yeah, you know, I understand it. Nine months is a long time for people to be cooped up inside. And so for me, I moved to a new city in January. <laughs> and so I, I, I embraced it. And uh, for me, I'm always, this quarantine stuff is pretty much my lifestyle before quarantine mm-hmm. anyway. So work mm-hmm. from home, Eat. I'm quarantining. Sleep, hustle. Six days yeah. out of the week, <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm doing
1: right now. Whenever these fingers hit the keyboard, that's when the register ring up. Okay, that's how that shit works. It'd be like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let's uh let's get to it, man. There's a lot of things that have happened uh, over the last couple of weeks.
1: So, Facebook
0: is obviously getting sued yeah. by the states, the uh, you know, uh, with all these. They think it's Facebook's a monopoly, we all know that's a, that's a thing, but you know it's taking them a while to get to it but yep, I'd just love to get your opinion on these states coming together slap Facebook with this lawsuit and if it's even going anywhere
1: yeah, I mean, interesting time interesting time facebook's dominance has been one for the books you know Cheryl sandsbury's probably of the most brilliant people on the planet that turned a Project used by college students to share likes and how much they think people are hot into like a billion dollar enterprise that cost them very little to run after they've built the service. And you know, I think that run in itself and their ability to print cash for almost nothing has allowed them to dominate in other ways. And I think you know, the biggest, the biggest hiccup that's happened is probably from Mark Zuckerberg. And what's different but I would say the, the Microsoft case, they, they came after Microsoft hard. They had evidence, that cases. But I don't, I don't believe they had this. I believe Bill Gates was a much better and more aware CEO than Mark Zuckerberg is. Mm-hmm. Mark Zuckerberg, and I think at the last meeting in front of Congress, he flat out said, you know, I bought X, Y, and Z company because they were a threat, you know, and I don't think there's anything wrong with me being super competitive and squashing competition. If it, if you're not gonna sell to me, fine, I'll buy you. If you're not gonna, if I can't buy you, okay, then I'll just build it, right? And I'm gonna squash you. And I'm gonna to sounds it.
0: pretty gangster to me, man. I mean, sounds pretty gangster to me. It
1: is, it is, it is <laughs> gangster, but I think there is enough <laughs> ammunition and enough enough distrust from citizens to to make something happen i'm not saying they're gonna get broken up i don't think our government our, our government's linked directly to the stock market and most of them probably own facebook shares so anything that's going to bring down the share price is probably not going to happen i will look for them to do something that's going to show the american people that the government's in control and allow uh, Facebook to still exist in some way, shape, or form as being a dominant social media player. Because let's be clear, those hoes own everything. There is very few things in your digital life that they do not touch, especially in the form of communication, right? I use WhatsApp, I use Instagram, I use Facebook, period. And I think they they own all three. So. That's my take. What, what, do, what do you think is probably gonna happen with Facebook and this case that's coming up?
0: Honestly, I just think it's just a nice little political stuff, little, you know, choreograph. Hey, you know, we go sue you. So, but you gotta act out surprise and play along with it. Mm-hmm. But I think ultimately Facebook represents American enterprise at its finest, mm. especially on a global scale. And to just, it's not in the national. I even look at it on just a higher level. It's not in the government's national interest to break up Facebook and the power outside. Let's just look outside of the United States and how much influence Facebook has over the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And that company resides in the United States. So, and that allows the United States to project soft power to. Enemies, allies, and to control the agenda of other countries through different means. You, you, you can say so. It's like, and every other, every other country would die to have an, their own Facebook. Right.
1: Let's, <laughs> <That's>, let's <that's> not. <laughs> kind straight was <up laughs> like, no, it, like, it, no it, other competitions it, coming in until we have our own Facebook. Yeah, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know. And they're trying to, and China's trying to export their own Facebook, TikTok to the rest of the world. Correct. So I don't think, I don't think there's gonna be, I think there's gonna be a huge fine, but you know, that's already built into the business model of Facebook. Mm -hmm. And they've been expecting it for a long time now. I think there's gonna be a big fine and maybe some regulations that are passed, you know, a couple years from now here and there. But mostly that regulation is just gonna hurt. Any new competitors that want to get into the space, not necessarily Facebook, because they have the capital to be able to navigate and be compliant with future regulations. Where if you are up and coming startup, you ain't thinking about regulations, you're just thinking about your first fucking customer and how to mm-hmm. get it out there. And then you they're just putting hurdles in in place for the next Facebook competitor. And I think this, but I think over time, people I think consumers need to make that choice as to if they use Facebook products or not. Obviously, Facebook has made a very tactical decision as to, hey, we're gonna just try to buy everything and we're gonna try to own everything that you consume, consume, that you use and have that data. But I also think there's another movement going on where people are making a subconscious choice as to the products and services that they use as well. And I think the more we educate the general consumer as to how their data is being used, the more they're gonna be able to make these decisions and these platforms. And I think at the end of the day, the free market and consumers will be able to change the trajectory of these companies. And I think one of of the companies that I am looking forward to as to making a change from being a ad based business model to more subscription based business model is actually Twitter. Mm. And, you know, being able to just be a ha, uh, having influencers have subscription-based accounts versus ad-based accounts, just because the content that they serve on there is usually it's real-time, very controversial. Advertisers are not very attracted to it, and I think we might ten for ten years from now or even less see our social platforms be more of a subscription-based service, so similar to you know Netflix.
1: Yeah.
0: But overall, I think the regulations you know uh, the lawsuits that are happening is it really going to result in anything changing probably not these not companies clear. have so much these companies have so much power and fake you know at the end of the day mark zuckerberg is being that bold because he knows he's got the strap on mm-hmm. all, of, you know, <laughs> all of these guys you know
1: and i he, i know all he, your he dirty secrets
0: he doesn't have to bend you know and so he's not he's not scared or intimidated by these institutions anymore and i think that's just been where corporations have got got gotten outside of just facebook and all the other players like amazon you know they control so much of our economy that they can make decisions without government approval
1: yeah look sorry be back in that work from home yet so you know i ain't got no camera crew
0: damn man you're what kind of camera are you using, man?
1: I mean, I'm about to take this back and be like, look, you promised me that they're going to be able to get it <laughs> clear and I'm getting all this 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 noise. I need to... Let me go ahead and do this right here. Let me, let me go ahead and put my hand all up in a, Oh, uh, We out. I'm still here. You hear me?
0: Yeah, I'm still here. I, 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 can, I can see you now. I it's think like it's, it's just going uh, you just got
1: to be on the blurred feed. I know our listeners really want to see my, my face in non-blurred fashion, but you just got to deal with this until we got a COVID season, and I can get a camera crew up in here, okay? Because then, you know, this ain't gonna be a problem. All
0: right. Um, the other thing I wanted to discuss just this uh, is this COVID vaccine since we oh, we're on the COVID. Hold on,
1: hold on. I do want to I want to double click on what you said because I believe Twitter has an amazing tool at their disposal. They just need to use it, mm-hmm. and it is based on what you said, which is a subscription based model. They need to move strictly to a subscription-based model. They should move to verify each one of their users. And I think there's some controls in place that you should that would allow people to not automatically have a mic to the world just because you have a new Twitter account. I think a combination of those things would just clean up the cesspool of shit that's just been rolling through Twitter and every other social media. <laughs> <laughs> it's just—it's just too much. I don't know if I'm arguing or talking with a human or another robot or a person that's twenty different. <laughs> and it—and the—the sad part about the whole thing is like, the fact that I argued with either most likely a fake account—it impacted my mood. We may not want to admit it, but seeing someone say something so vile and so off-putting and constantly be bombarded with fake robot after fake robot after fake robot all echoing the same things it impacts our mood once they get away with that i think they can make the little orphan endorphin indicators like the like the dislike and the comment buttons a lot more useful to the users because they can verify that the real users are actually there and that they're decreasing the reach of just random person that has no respect whatsoever to be chatting
0: Oh, that's a subject for another day. All I know. This lawsuit, Wait, hit me
1: up if you want me to lawsuit be the, gonna go let through, let me know because I can give you the plans that I got you. We can turn you into a multi-trillion dollar company. It's just gonna take a couple of clicks. <laughs> okay. Couple of clicks, I'm gonna change the whole platform. Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, all, I, all I know is this lawsuit is gonna stretch out. Politicians are gonna, you know, come on comp- campaign rallies about it, talking about how they're taking on the big bad. They taking on the big bad uh, corporations that's also funding their campaign, right? <laughs> by the other day, it is what it is, and
1: this these is companies America.
0: are going to pay billions of dollars, and then they're going to get to write it off, you know, as well, and get a tax break later on to compensate for the fines, if you Whoa, call shoot.
1: it. We about to see that with the the new vaccines that's coming out. They about to write um, government's about to write massive checks to support the, the production of vaccine and the distribution of vaccine.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, with that vaccine that's coming out, the COVID vaccine, I'm gonna I'm just, just chill on that.
1: No, you're not. Uh,
0: let no, you're not.
1: <laughs> I, will, <laughs> I will drag you down there to get that stick in your arm. You're getting <laughs> back to normal. You're getting back to normal and you are gonna get that shot. Two of them, not one, two. <laughs>
0: You know, I, I'm i sure, you know, not to discredit all any of the scientists that have put so much work in over the last, what has it been, like almost 10 months of mm-hmm. relentless work to get out this vaccine, but also at the same time, I am, I don't think I am part of the most vulnerable uh, a population that needs to be taking this vaccine right away, and I would make Somewhat pretty healthy choices and how I live and try to and my health and fitness. And okay. so
1: Red Bulls every day.
0: And the same time. And the same time, you know, I just want to see more data. I want to see more data and verification. I'm not gonna go out there. I'm I'm just not trustworthy enough of institutions, especially government, when they have so much incentive to just shoot someone. It could be, for all we know, it could be the whole thing, it could be just fake. You know, she's like, it's not <laughs> fake lord see
1: the baby camera go blurry again I, don't, I can't deal with this nonsense. I can't don't <laughs> shake it just be fucking water
0: for all I know two shots of fucking water tomorrow <laughs> I'm getting
1: salt water today I hope you survive I hope you survive this virus now go out there and pay your taxes
0: and get the economy rolling again
1: yeah. <laughs> you know but vaccines are safe they didn't skip any process i want to make sure our listeners know this for sure that t- agencies hundreds of people are going reviewing... to get
0: this video
1: banned by, 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 by uh, youtube <laughs> no it's being reviewed and it's gonna be fine like get the vaccine consult the cdc website for any information that you need I'm personally going to go get the shot, both of them, as quickly as possible, whenever it's time, because I want out of this this hellhole. But um, I think outside of what you may believe about, you know, the vaccine or whatever like the impacts and the government's like motivations, I think what we do need to pay homage to is kind of the the breakthroughs we've had yes. especially with the Moderna vaccine coming in with a, a completely novel way of tackling you know the coronavirus and more specifically it's gonna m- impact the way we supply medicine in the future. And so and I don't know if you've done a lot of research on that donor but you know I think from the preliminary stuff I've done, trust me, I'm not pre-med, I'm not an expert, I'm not gonna get this right. So, if you, if one of our listeners, if you know exactly you know, what's in these vaccines, like how it's all specialized, but from my, my brief, brief research into it, is they've figured out a way to give people a blueprint on how to combat a virus that they pre program. And they stick people in the arm twice, and then it allows the body to produce the right amount of antibodies that they pre-coded into the body. Why this is major is because you know, previously you would, have me- you would have needed to have you know an, a strand of the virus and you would need to do that at scale to give each and every person you know a vaccine that has some components of the virus in it. And as you can tell, maybe if you don't know, but that process takes a long time. It's usually done in eggs, it's done hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of eggs, as much as vaccines as you need to create enough of those little vaccine particles to go into the little syringe, stick you with it. And that's generally how it's done. So the Moderna one is a lot more efficient in terms of the process it takes to get to production. And as you see with the distribution, you know the Moderna one has a, a, is a lot more um, tough. It's more tough in terms of getting it to the user it doesn't have to go under the same conditions as the Pfizer vaccine.
0: Yeah, my uh, one of my friends that's really involved in um, vaccine research, you know, I was texting him. I'm like, you know, what do you think about the Pfizer and Mardana vaccine? And he was just giving me a breakdown of what makes each one different. I'm not, first of all, I don't have a medical degree. So look this shit up. And he was just talking about the same thing that you were just sharing. And so, and he said, you know, it, the, the Mardana vaccine, the technologies used can help solve other diseases and things, um, and it's just a remarkable breakthrough in just technology and innovation. So, yeah, you know, I would like to just, you know, congratulate the medical community for making such massive advancement yep. in such a short period of time, but I ain't taking that shit until <laughs> Until I see I I feel comfortable other people, you know, everything is good, you know.
1: (laughs) I mean, look, I'm gonna take I don't need it that bad. I don't need it. (laughs) I'm gonna take it. I'll probably do what everyone else is doing and put it on my socials so you can see me. I hate needles by the way. I hate needles with like a passion. But I'm gonna go do it. I think it's the it is the right thing to do. To make sure that, that is it, the right thing to do. You're not out there getting someone's grandparent submitted to the ICU or whatever. You know, the side effects of you taking a shot as a young, healthy person, it's minimal. Even if it was salt water, minimal. You might you might have a sore. Yeah, do it
0: for America. I agree. That's,
1: that's my point. I'll leave it there. Do it for America. Get me out of this. <laughs>
0: You know, and that's that's what that's that's why I love you, uh, Anthony, because we have different opinions and different approaches to today. I'm okay. gonna wait for Anthony to take it. And if he starts acting up, then I'm gonna be like, nah, I'm good.
1: I nah. take it. I'm about to drag everyone with me when I go take it too. I'm like, hold them down, get them, get them done, bag and tag.
0: I'm turning into a zombie in 2021,
1: man. Yeah. <laughs> well, better than being stuck in this little box, okay? If the world's coming to an end. Look, a bunch of people about to be after you as zombies. That's all I'm gonna say.
0: <laughs> get a strap. If the world's coming to an end, get a strap.
1: <laughs> Lord, Lord. So yeah, I mean, COVID vaccine is great. I think the other part of this really hard equation is the distribution model. Um, and I, as I was reading all of these articles about you know all the vaccines, how much they're creating, you know, it's. It's misleading to a point because a lot of the articles aren't talking about the two-shot requirement for it to be fully effective. And so Mm -hmm. to cover the United States, and if it does require two doses, you need 600 million doses of vaccine to cover every American. To get to herd immunity, and if you would say that's 50%, you need 300,000. Oh, no, sorry, 300 million doses. That's a lot. And it's going to take a long time for uh, these manufacturers to produce it. I mean, that's more vaccine than we produce for the uh, for the flu every year, right? And everyone's going to be after it. And it's going to be, it's an undertaking to get it out there. I mean, even when you start talking about the regions that most, that need it the most, and, you know, I, people are dying everywhere. I get that. And... You know, we need to make sure that's equitable but right now with one of them the big issue is you have to keep it at freezing really freezing conditions to get it you need specialized equipment you need to have people that know how to handle it and the most rural places that are being impacted by COVID right now are not really targeted to get it and we the government hasn't released a plan to help those people so Kudos, we have a really great breakthrough of vaccine. I wish our government would have spent the other nine months of the year talking about how they're going to distribute this and for the people, because that's going to be the the most massive campaign we're going to have to do in 2021 is inject 250 million people with COVID vaccine.
0: Yeah, and I also think when you just mentioned that for me, I'm just thinking, man, the cash register of how much these companies and these pharmaceutical companies are expected to make. I think I was reading an article where Mordana is expected to make $32 billion from COVID vaccine when their average yearly revenue after, whereas is just gonna be like a billion dollars. <laughs> you know, so there's we need to make sure that this is, is safely distributed and that you know we don't have paid sponsors. Telling people to take these vaccines because you know, essentially a lot of these medical institutions are just gonna be more of a well put together dope dealers, mm-hmm. you know, trying to slang COVID vaccines. Because, you know, like the government is subsidizing it. The government's right, it's basically government's giving a blank check. Yeah. And so it, you know, as a business or as a pharmaceutical business. You're right now, you're hot. You got, the, you got the hottest drugs on the street and you're gonna to try to slang it. And no matter what the you know, side effects are, you're gonna to try to just hide it. And also you're getting government protection as well because of the authorization that the government has put in place where essentially you're not really liable for anything as well. So I think um, this COVID vaccine is great. I think we need to roll, figure out how we could roll it out to people in a safe, effective manner um, but at the same time, there's a lot of players out there that are just looking to just get this thing out and shove it in people's arms and make a shit ton of money. A lot of opportunities here because once it's done, it's done. And you know, I, I what I give, have mad respect for the scientists that went and put put this together and did it in such a short period of time. It's never been done before, yeah. And that's why I always just marvel at these amazing fucking geniuses doing this shit, yeah. You know?
1: I think, you know, jumping back to what you said, is going to make a lot of money. But majority of that money is going to come from the government. The government wrote a check. Massive checks to these pharmaceutical companies. Blank. They gave a
0: blank check. It's basically blank, blank check. Have
1: you seen that, that blank <laughs> check movie? I forgot. It was back in the day where this kid <laughs> got a blank check and he went ham buying houses, all this other <laughs> stuff. I was like, how you 10, but you acting like you 35, 40 buying elaborate estates and stuff like this. I mean, that's, I'm not gonna say that's what the Pfizer people are gonna do. I mean, I'm sure the people at the top of Pfizer are probably gonna do something like that because they've about to get paid up the yin yang. But, you know, I think that leads into the next part which is, you know, we need to remember, I think this is, this is a perfect moment for our listeners to remember when the government says they don't have the money for something, they do. They absolutely do. They're picking and deciding what they wanna invest in. We spent trillions of dollars at the beginning of this year to give to businesses, to give to people, to profit institutions like the airplane industry. And because it was an emergency, which it was, we wrote a check. Massive, biggest stimulus in history. And I love that we did that because it helped people. But we should also remember that we can always write, we can always write another check to help people like students who have taken on a lot of debt to pursue an american dream that has been changing and i think for me i wrote something a while back that america ever since it reached into the dawn of the computers we've we've been speeding up the cadence of transitioning between job types and job skill set requirements Whereas mm-hmm. maybe before computers, everyone's working in a factory, you know, you don't have to go get a college degree, you know, you pass in that from your parents, you go work in the factory and being bada boom, it's done. What we're really experiencing now is that the economy is moving so quickly in terms of tech influence and things like that, that people have to go back and get retrained, right? People that during 2008, mm-hmm. you know, when we had the economic collapse, You know, people were out of jobs, you know, the poorest were out of jobs, and the white-collar people were out of jobs, too. And what'd they do? They went back to school. And the cost of education didn't go down. The government didn't decide to spend money to incentivize, you know, this retraining behavior because life had happened to them, and the economy had happened to them, and taken that economic opportunity away, their, their current job. And, we're left with a big issue, student debt. I think that's big on Joe Biden's radar. I think it's big on all the progressive within his wings that we need to do something to relieve some of this pressure from, from student debt.
0: Yeah, for me, it's, it's. I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. Um, I think one thing I'm hearing is Student loan forgiveness, but it doesn't treat the root cause of the problem. Mm. You know what? You know um, what was the Joe Biden administration proposing? Is a 10k student loan forgiveness yeah. program? <laughs> oh, okay, 50k student loan forgiveness program, yeah, but
1: that, that's 10k. At the end of the day,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't it like the root. I think we need to introduce a little bit more competition to these institutions a little bit and hold them a little bit more accountable for the degrees that they're basically printing out to students as well. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, one of the big problems is that the government has given a blank check to education in terms of giving students loans for education, no matter the cost there, you know, it, it doesn't take much for you to get a student loan of, $50,000 a year for education. And so these institutions are like, well, we can charge whatever because the government is going to back us. And then, and we don't really have to deliver on value because society is not holding us to deliver on anything. There's no other business model where I pay you for four years, you know, let's say $25,000 Or $30,000 a year to learn something and I get absolutely nothing in return, you know, any other business model that was like that would essentially just be a scam. And we would be talking about it in that way. But when it comes to education, they haven't been held to that high standard standard of hey, you need to be able these, these students need to be job ready, and you need to provide degrees that allow them to be competitive in the marketplace. And so we also need to take, if we're going to be talking about student loan forgiveness, we also need to be really holding these institutions accountable and also explore different educational options yep. that college is not the only route of making a living. And I think one of the persons that have done really a great job of this is, uh, what is it, Mike Rowe of Dirty Jobs, talk, mm-hmm. talking about trade schools and how that is a great option. people but you know you look at trade schools and it's not really well talked about in the mainstream or like when you are when I was in high school you know no one ever brought up trade schools you know but people that are in trade schools are making good income and they're being able there and it's a high demand jobs you know and so we think I think we need to also get down and talk about these are different educational options that are available to you. And the government needs to be able to support that and bring that a little bit more into schools. Do I think student loan forgiveness is something that needs to happen? I think, you know, it needs to happen. Do I do I like it? No, I don't like it because I fucking pay my student loans and now nah, I shit. Yeah. You know, I ain't getting no student loan forgiveness, but I think it needs to happen because, you know, our go- government holds uh, our government owes it to us to give us the student loan because they're able to bail out big banks and all of these other corporations when the time is right. And it's also, we're also consumers and the economy needs to continue to move. And we need to be able to get that student loan forgiveness. Uh, student loan forgiveness. But at the same time, if we're going to do that, let's also just tackle the root cause of the problem as well and look beyond just, you know, forgiving 50k because you know you forgive 50k you know most people and most students are probably going to be back at 50k in a couple of years anyways or in future yeah. students you know it doesn't really solve anything and then what are we going to just keep forgiving so let's create better opportunities for education and advanced education in the U.S. which needs a revamp anyways because we need to continuously be competitive with the global market and Holds institutions really accountable for the results. Mm-hmm. You know, if we are, if we as citizens are going to prop up and support, and put money behind these institutions, we need to also force them to be more accountable as to what type of citizens and and uh, job-ready you know workers are we getting back in return, and how is it helping the economy? And if it's not. You need to cut that shit out of your, your out of you know out of your curriculum, and I'm not just talking about going after art degrees. I think art degrees all hold a valuable uh, space in society and I love that there's people that study that stuff and and bring so much creativity into you know the world and it's not just about like just getting an engineering degree, but I also don't think an art degree should cost you fucking. $30,000 a year, right? <laughs> there's not, there's not enough. Of, there's not enough. The institutions are doing to be able to justify that besides paying high salary and building these massive infrastructure buildings, you know, an art degree shouldn't cost you that much. No. You know, you can research most of the topics related to art on Google and other social uh, search engine platforms. And I think those Uh, programs still continue to be supported but you can't really justify how much Mm -hmm. it's costing students
1: and i I totally agree i think just for giving the 50 or or whatever amount of money whatever it is that they decide if it actually gets passed probably not um it's not going to solve the issues that are impacting americans i think you did bring up some really good points which is like there are there are other avenues outside of college that can allow someone to attain and have a good middle-class lifestyle. And I think that, that is, that's for sure true. I think that we should always you know, explain all opportunities because right now we just put all these kids in a pipeline and tell them that if you don't go to college, you're a failure. And if you're a failure, you're, the only job that you can get is working at McDonald's. And that's about it. I hope you can work two different jobs at the same time and be happy. and <laughs> That's not the case you can always do that um you can always go and pursue those other schools i think for me what i'm I'm trying to get at is that i'm unsure what a program looks like when the economy shifts drastically and quickly right because there's a bunch of people 20 million people that are still without a job or might be down to 10 million there's still a lot of americans and a lot of those jobs are not going to come back and what do you do? What do you tell a family, a person that has a family that they need to go back to school, but also you need to pay your mortgage, right? Mm-hmm. You're gonna take that two-year degree and it's gonna take four years because you need to find six McDonald's jobs to work in order to pay for the schooling and pay for you know, commitments you made when you had that booming and shiny job. Like there's, there's issues and underlying circumstances that hit us, maybe not as often As, like, COVID or the deep or the great recession, but they happen. And the cost that they cause is it lasts for decades. Uh, And if you graduated in 2008 and when we had the great recession, your earnings, as you just started a job, were 10 to 15% less than someone graduating in a booming economy. And that generally last for about a decade. That I means your formidable years, your years after college, the first 10 to 15 years for you to make your way up the ladder and secure yourself a middle class, you've been handicapped from earning the max of your potential. Now there's there's caveats. People will, like you leave a comment. I know people are leave comments, well, you do this and that and like, you know, find another place, but or find, a, find another job and that's how you can increase your salary. And I totally agree with that. I am a big proponent for jumping around and shopping yourself around to get the best bang for your dollar. Unfortunately, that's just not how it's happening for majority of the people that get jobs. They are not jumping around. Most people have a family. They want to stick to one career and they're having their earnings hurt. And maybe they deserve to sit in that position because you would say they're lazy Americans, but it's something we're to deal with in society as a whole if it comes to reforming education, dealing with transitions in the economy, or dealing with student debt, all of those things need a seat at the table because it's impacting individual wealth in this country in a way that I don't think we've seen before. We've never seen since, since 2008, since the Great Recession, lower middle-class households have not recovered their wealth. It's been 10 years. It's, no, it's been more, it's been like 12 years. How does that happen? What, what happened that you cannot recover your wealth? I tell you who did recover the wealth though, the top 1%. The top 1% made hand over fist over the last decade because the market returned 10, 15% year after year after year. The houses that they owned because they were able to keep and hold on to them during the t- toughest time of the recession, they were allowed to keep those homes. And what those homes do, they appreciate it. Right now, we're in one of the hottest real estate markets. People are getting kicked out of their homes. But yeah, people are buying second at their homes. Not an issue, but that's where we are in society. And I think that says a lot about America. And how we decide to approach that problem is going to be unique. I personally don't think they are going to solve it. I think it all stems from that starting point, college. That one choice these people made, college or not college. Trade school or no trade school. Get $30,000 of debt or not to go in $30,000 worth of debt. So that's my, my two cents on student loan forgiveness. I hope it happens. I hope it happens,
0: but it will. <laughs> I hope we just, I hope we just re, for me, I hope we are able to lower the cost of getting an education first and foremost, and provide access to People who may not even be able to afford it, you know. Um, and so for me, it just also comes down to not just student loan forgiveness, make education a lot more accessible to everyone, and offered multiple different options, you know. Besides having to go to a big institution and pay thirty thousand yeah. dollars, you know, there's so much information out there, and that's the one. That's the power of the internet is that it's made knowledge cheaper to you know to acquire and i hope that overall you know i'm first uh, do i want to be able to um you know so do i honestly do i feel great about like student loan forgiveness no i don't feel great but i also think it's it's needed uh for our economy and for the long term health of our society um as well um and I think you can't just have sort of generations of generations of millennials and now Gen Z taking on these massive debt and expect to have a healthy economy where yeah. you have a healthy consumer base. And so if that's what it takes to, you know, where we're able to give out loans and and forgiveness to the big corporations, it's time the citizens also get a Get a break back, but also at the same time, I also want to be able to um, to attack the root cause and give people more of options when it comes to education, and give people options and bring more com- competition into the space that allows it. Um, ad- our educational institutes to continuously adapt to the jobs of the future, yeah. and you know, give st- uh, students just a more transparent, you know. Return on their investment. Like, what are what are we really? What am I getting by going to your institution for learning? So that's what I would love to see when it comes to not just educational uh, student loan forgiveness, but just the education uh, in the U.S.
1: Yeah, it, that that just reminds me. I was was on Twitter. I'm still a noob at Twitter. Like, I can barely operate it. I can only get to like. 30 followers, and I think they're all bots, but that's okay. I'm gonna pat myself on the back on that one. <laughs> but um, I got into this argument about like incomes, and like you know, we need to do something to help people out. And the the eventually the congr- the conversation went on to say, no, well, it it's not hard for someone to become like a, a truck driver and go work for Walmart. That's you know, a sixty to seventy thousand dollars job is what they said. I haven't de- looked it up. If you know, please let me know in the comments. Is it $6,000, $100,000? Is Walmart making people millionaires for driving their stuff from point A to point B? I want to know. But we were legit talking (laughs) about it. And, you know, what I wanted to say to this person is there are some major breakthroughs that are happening right now in 2020. And it's being hidden from all the noise. And if you're not a techie, you probably are not paying too much attention. But... Just this week or last week, it was you know Amazon self-driving car is, is coming out, right? Then you have Tesla mm. talking about full self-driving hitting the stores and you know twenty. Then by the end of this year, and there's numerous stories of you know moving things from A to B is going to not require a human to do it anymore, and it's going to require way less of them to do it, and. To that point, I don't know what you tell those people. I don't know what you tell the taxi drivers or the Uber drivers or the people who are moving trucks and they making $70,080,0 a year. That in the future we're probably gonna have robots moving these things. This is gonna move to it because the bottom line just gets way fatter. They have to pay for any new resource for a human. They're like, cool, we can just move this stuff along way more efficient. They're gonna take the best routes and you know so that like eventually we need to figure that stuff out technology is going to keep coming in and you know causing a lot of dysfunction and chaos and noise and confusion we need to figure out you know how we're going to deal with that but i am looking forward to a future where i don't have to drive i personally hate driving i, I much prefer to have that time back to myself to do whatever talk on the phone call my family text nap read if you live in one of those cities where there's a lot of traffic like Atlanta or Washington, D.C. or San Francisco, you know that two hours you do not want to be sitting in there driving your damn self because you don't, you know. And I think this is a major breakthrough. I'm, I'm, I'm confident that Amazon is releasing this as an improvement to society, but also to pad their bottom line. And it's going to be at the expense of uh, so many people.
0: Yeah, I was, I was really impressed by what um what's what's a company that Amazon owns? Is it like, Lu? Like something. something. Like I yeah, know. I was really. Imp- they bought. I know they bought it. Um, uh, from they if bought it know, and let us in the comments. Yeah, but um, yeah, I was really impressed when I read an article about um, this basically Amazon self driving car, and I think it's a great breakthrough for for me personally. I don't have a car, and so um, I'm always looking for services like this to become more commonplace, where you can get like a car on demand, and be able, you know, be able to just like, oh, I'm going to my doctor's appointment, and just click a button, and the self-driving car will pull up to you, your house or apartment and pick you up and drop you off. And I think these innovations also help with, you know, a issue that we have is how do we, you know, reduce our impact on the environment, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think self-driving cars are a lot more efficient uh, at, you know, just navigating and um, reducing pollution as a whole, because, you know, computers are, you know, now controlling these things and they're able to be optimized. And if, even if all, and now if all of the cars on the road are, you know, self-driving as well as we, you know, let's say 50 years from now if all the cars on the road are self-driving, you know, you don't need traffic lights anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. computers are communicating with each other and navigating around each other fairly easily. And it improves uh, transportation among even the less uh, fortunate uh, members of our society because the cost of transportation goes down significantly. Yeah. you know and I think transportation is one of those areas where you know we tend to overlook it especially in the U.S. and how especially when it comes to public transportation of how important that is into like economic development of neighborhoods where um uh, you know without like a bus system or like a train system like these these people in these neighborhoods would have no way of escaping or being able to find opportunities uh, that are available to them, they will just literally be stuck in their uh, part of the country, isolated from the economic opportunity. And I think that this evolution in tech, uh, in driving and transportation, that's happening, especially with self-driving cars, first is going to start off as like a luxury, where the people with massive amount of wealth or a good amount of money are gonna be able to just be the only ones that are will be able to afford it. But as the technology gets better, this I hope is able to help uh, like, deserve, like underserved communities and give them a way to tap into economic opportunities that's available in their state or region a lot better because the cost of transporting uh, goods people from different parts, just become so dirt cheap, we're able to just move around a lot more freely. And I I say this because, you know, like when I first moved to the U.S. and um, the only way that my parents were able to like move around and go from job to job was through public transportation, you know? And they didn't have a car and anything like like that. And there wasn't a lot of job opportunity in like the neighborhoods and like the city that we were at. And so I can just, I can see this, being such a benefit to people. But yeah, at the same time, like you talked about, it's also gonna affect a lot of different occupations. Um, and it's gonna a lot of people are gonna lose their jobs. Don't get it wrong. Um, and it's Amazon is doing it to for the better. Like I like to look at it as like, yeah, they're gonna improve society as a whole, but they're also doing it to improve their bottom line. And that's what they're in the business of, of improving their bottom line and getting uh, stockholders the best return possible.
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. I'm watching this space closely because, God, I just do. I hate driving with a passion. I love being driven, though. I love being driven. Nothing's better than pulling up or having your Uber pull up and you just get in the back seat and you chilling. And when I was in Seattle, it was even better because I'm not sure if you've been. I'm not sure if they had this where you were, but BMW had their own Uber equivalent. And... They would even have, they had the settings and that Uber has it where you can like talk about, you know, do you want to talk to them? Do you want AC blowing? Which one's you your radio station? And nothing felt better than to go to the local grocery store by way of BMW in the backseat. Because I enjoyed it. I'm boozy. I love that <laughs> shit. It was so great. I feel like a boss going out <laughs> of my, my damn building. Like, yeah, this is my car right here. This is me. They would come out, open the door. I'm like, this is, this is some next level stuff. So, I mean, you know, in the future, the door's probably gonna open itself and it's gonna pull the BMW around, it ain't gonna be nobody in it. I still have the same experience. I think I hope everyone gets to experience that altogether. I think there's there's one last topic that I think we should cover because this continues to baffle me. Now we're in what December, I was gonna say November. There's no no relief fund. Our, I feel like, no, I feel like our government. No, no out. no help for Americans whatsoever. It's, it's a little bit disturbing that in our time of need, you know, we're not asking you to rebuild the Hoover Dam. In our time of need where so many people and so many governments have shut down for the greater good of society to make sure people don't die we don't overrun hospitals and things like that, They're debating if we should give people $600 checks or not. And it's not passing. I think I said earlier, we we spent $3 trillion eight months ago, nine months ago. And now we're debating if we should send Americans $600. And it's caught up in Congress. And I honestly, I'm not sure if it's going to pass. And this is a major, major failure from the United States government, if I've ever seen one.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's, you know, you take a look at other countries and how they've been able to support their citizens. And I think, uh, I mean, I think maybe in the UK, I might be wrong, but I know, you know, it's like at least $4,000 a month while there's a shutdown happening. And there's other countries that are, Canada, maybe, I don't know how much Canada is giving out to their citizens. But I'm no. not even, like when people talk about, when people talk about like, giving it's not even like they're not even giving this is money that citizens have paid through taxes correct uh, and they and and they want it back (laughs) you know and they they just they want it back to be able to support their family in terms in times of need and the government is holding on to it and not willing to move so it's not even like a gift to me it's not even a giving thing people have been paying taxes to the government just for a time like this when this stuff happens and they want their government to be able to support them. If, and if if you're not going to do the responsible thing as a, as a government of being able to support your citizens when so many people are losing their jobs, there's like, there's so many like during Thanksgiving, there, the lines for, you know, soup kitchens were so long throughout the country. If you're not willing to do that, then, You need to also explore. Hey, we need to be able. There needs to be a way where citizens keep more of what they make. Mm -hmm. You know, and we need to talk about that as well. You know, because but it's it's very discouraging because we're at the end of the day we're talking about what is it supposed to be six hundred dollars or thirteen hundred dollars, and and that's significant for a lot of places. That's significant amount of money for some uh, families, and that might be the thing that just helps them stay afloat for another month. And other places is not really much, especially if you live in these expensive cities where, you know, 600 or $1,300 is not gonna even pay your rent,
1: Um, but
0: that we're still debating. Yeah, that they were still debating this stuff. Uh, To me, it's kind of of shameful, but this is where we are at. And this is one of the reasons why, if you haven't seen our episode on, you know, cryptocurrency where we talk does just discuss cryptocurrency you know can we trust the government to be there for us in their times of need and and do the right thing and you know even if they give us these relief you know and another you know wave of covid or something else happens are they going to be there to support us you know because they've been giving out massive amount of money to businesses granted the government did shut down these businesses and put all strength and basically put people in an unemployment line but if you're going to do that then also be willing to support you can't for me my frustration is you can't do both you can't say hey you know we're going to shut down the economy shut down small businesses and also we're not going to support your ass you're on your own Mm -hmm. you know while giving bail how because the small businesses are the ones that are feeling it the most. The WalMarts of the world are thriving. Their their earnings reports are Target, you know, printing they're money. they're fucking printing money. Amazon, they're printing money left and right. Um, they're they're doing well, but the small business owners who uh, depend on people coming in and ordering dinner and lunch and having a thriving you know, lunch uh, scene and now all of the businesses have disappeared and you're telling them to shut down or limit capacity to, uh, you know, what is a four in a restaurant or six, whatever vague number it is that's out there. And we're also not going to give you any bailout, any relief whatsoever. And it's even a bailout, it's money that you, that you took from them, you know, and now they just want a little bit of it back in order to support them. They're, their livelihoods and pay rent. That's it, that's how I see it. It's not, even a bail- it's not even a bailout. A bailout is like money that's undeserved. It's like, nah, you guys took the money from us in the first place. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you,
1: you, you took our money and you said you'd be there to protect us in our time of need. It's our time of need. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's so bad. I mean, it's so bad. And uh, the reason why this is like caught up and everything, if you pay close attention, the sticking point on giving people $600 is not six hundred dollars it's not, it's not about that. It's worse. Republicans and Democrats are at odds about giving state and local funding. That's the sticking point. Your $600 to $1,000 to $2,000 check is caught up in their beef that they believe some states cannot run their states effectively and should not be allowed or granted any more funding. And if you read any of the conversations, it's all about, well, we want to make a provision into this bill to say that, you know, Joe Biden can't grant any more money to to states using any powers that he may have. And then it goes even further. It's like, well, and we also wanna make sure that those problems that we spun up in 2020 to do the PPP or direct checks or any of those items. Yeah, after this is over on December 31st, let me get ready for the new year. We don't want you to be able to do that. That's the language that they have. Mind you, that funding goes to people that work at the transit stations, people that make sure that the city is running buses, you know, public buildings, public utilities, things that we use every day, these states are facing budget shortfalls. And we can debate whether they are running their cities the best way or the worst way, and, and that's probably the conversation that they're having. But the end outcome is the, is the same. Public workers are going to get axed if we do not allow them to have access to funding from the government. And some governors are, Okay with that, a form of punishment as I see it, where they believe that they don't want California or New York to have access to funds. It's spiteful, it's rude, it's insulting to the American people that they would use and reject this language, but that's where you are. A ruling class of states deciding if you're gonna get your $1,000 check,
0: Well, the the topic of if cities and states are running efficiently or running appropriately is a you know a a topic for another show. Um, But you gotta gotta unpack that. (laughs) (laughs) But at the end of the day, for me, I believe fundamentally that citizens need to need some, some form of relief you know, not just the $600 check, which is, you know, grossly disgusting, but, you know, that we are just talking about $600 checks, but citizens need some sort of economic relief um, to be able to get back on their feet. And the government needs to do a way better job and the people in government are not doing their jobs right now to support citizens or even support small business owners at all. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully something gets passed and, you know, um, COVID, you know, the vaccine helps reduce the spread of COVID and we can restart the economy again.
1: Hopefully. Hopefully.
0: Yeah, hopefully. Well, not I think
1: that's our show. We left you with so many things as a recap, I think for the ages, 2020 is going to be like a blur for half of y'all. Cause y'all were drunk the whole time. And then for the rest <laughs> of the, night, it's going to be a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort, but, you know, that's where we are today. Recap of the week. Thank you for tuning in to OpenThink. Uh, please let us know, you know, what did you think about this whole episode? Did you like it? Hate it? Leave comments. Just like it. Hit me up on the DM. You know, I can help answer your questions. Uh, or if you want us to talk about another subject that's near, near to you and you want to, want to hear our opinions,
0: let us know. Yeah, I think this episode was great, man. I talked a lot and let's see what, Things are in the news cycle next week that we can discuss, and hopefully by then, um, this bailout I won't even, I'm not even gonna call it a bailout because it's more of a marketing bullshit, but that citizens get the economic relief that they deserve, which is their money. 100%. All right, man. Take it easy. All right, you too.